All right, welcome back. Episode 72 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Thank God I Sold My Josh Giddy Downtowns, Max. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am traveling a lot lately, so I'm excited for that, but I will highlight on what you just said. I, this is one of the few times that I have exited a card at, you know, the perfect or right before the bottom. I feel good. I'm glad that I don't own any more Josh Giddies. I had an iconic picture where I had three Josh Giddy downtowns in my hand all at once. Three, not one, not two, three. And I'm relieved. Yeah. Thank God you, you got rid of those. Uh, we're here this week with a special guest. Um, we've been we've actually talked about kind of nah, I don't need to do the intro here but but Carter Carter is here yeah. with us I should have looked up what your social media handles are Carter uh you want to do a quick intro of what what your socials are in case anyone wants to follow you yeah you guys can follow me on uh Instagram at cardhq Carter uh, I'm one of the founding partners and owners of cardhq the big card shop that I'm opening with Jeff Wilson known as sports card investor here in Atlanta Georgia um, I've been in sports cards for a while now. I know you guys have as well, but uh, I've been a dealer. So that's how I've kind of gotten to know Max at a bunch of shows. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I love cards. I'm passionate about it. I've been collecting ever since I was little. And I've been able to enter in this awesome project here in the last couple months to a year. That's awesome. Uh, definitely excited to hear more about what you guys got planned at Cards HQ. Uh, what was, do you remember what your and Max's first first encounter was? Was he trying Ooh. to lowball you on something at a table? I was probably trying to buy from him. I think I was trying to buy some baseball cards. A, a lot of interactions on Twitter though, as well, and in Discord. So nice. I've been a, I've been a, I've been in Ryan's Discord, which I know you guys have talked about before, but I think Max and I have a lot more interactions online, but it shows recently, especially the national this year, we had a lot of interactions. Nice. Max, do you remember? Um, I want to say it was at at or around the February Burbank card show, which was how many months ago? A lot of months ago. I just checked my calendar a lot of months ago from now, from in November. And I I wish I could recall the specifics of it. Um, I remember I needed a phone charger and I was sitting next to uh, you and Mr. Raul Slaga Cards. And uh, I don't remember your involvement, but I remember, I think that was my first real memory of you, Carter, was that card show. And I was having Sounds a good right. time. Yeah. Well, it's always rare when Max has an interaction with someone and it doesn't lead to them getting a little bit frustrated with them with him. So uh, I'm glad to hear that everything's above board and that uh, I was excited when Max said, hey, I got a cool, cool guest that's possible for, for the podcast. Uh, I was like, very excited to see who it was. And Carter, I'm excited to talk about, you know, what you're up to. Um, so you said you're a dealer. What what have you been up to? Like, where did you start in the card world? Kind of where was the middle? And then how how did you get involved with Cards HQ? Yeah, so I started at the end of 2019. And I started breaking actually on my Instagram account. I think back then, there weren't apps like whatnot that were large or live shopping apps. So it was all on Instagram. And people were I remember people, you'd have to type in PayPal's and Zell's and Venmo's, you'd have to hop out of the stream and then come back. And then you never know if that person really paid you because you're on your phone. And so I was one of those guys breaking and uh, that was really fun. And then COVID hit and then kind of the online breaking got even better. Uh, and then kind of middle of COVID, the Dallas card show was announced. And that was my first ever card show to attend. And it was the first card show during COVID. And I remember like it was in the same room they have it now, but only like maybe 60% of the room was filled with tables. and It was just like empty in the back. But I remember experiencing card shows and I was originally there to buy wax. So I drove 13 hours from Atlanta. Uh, yeah, just to go buy wax to break because I was like kind of getting frustrated buying online because everyone was trying to overcharge or charge just at market. You couldn't really get much margin then, especially. So I was trying to go to Dallas and just try to, you know, cash this king. Let's get some more wax. And I started realizing, dang, like these cards, like I can buy at better percentages and get more margin. Now, they obviously move more. They can go down. Wax at that time was not going down. Wax was only going up. Um, so I, I shortly kind of realized that I need to start going to some shows. And as more shows were getting announced in my area and in the Southeast region of Atlanta, I started driving and traveling to these shows, setting up as a dealer, buying cards. Um, but that's kind of, you know, where I got started in cards business wise. Uh, and I've just been a dealer ever since I think in 2021 and 2022, uh, 
in 2021, I, I went to a show 41 weekends out of the 52 weekends. In uh, 2022, I went 42 weekends out of 52 weekends. I was at a show. Um, so I've I've been nonstop for, for a while. And uh, over a year ago, um, Jeff approached my partner, Ryan, and I on this project on opening a big car shop in Atlanta. Ryan and I were actually a couple of days away from signing our own lease on like a 1,000 to 1,500 square foot store. So more of a normal card shop. And uh, now we're opening a 14,000 square foot card shop with Jeff, which is awesome. So we're excited. We're going to provide a new experience and hopefully set the bar for what card shops are here in, in the near future all across the world. That's going to be unreal. Uh, when I saw the announcement about it, you know, I I feel like I'd kind of seen Jeff Wilson get more active in talking about kind of the the experience part of shows and like card shops and stuff. So I was like, I feel like he might be kind of you know, maybe leading somewhere or at least I thought he was going to like start maybe like a show or something or tag along with like the um, I was at the culture collision show. Carter, have you been to that one? Yeah. That's yeah. It. Is it like, I feel like that show has kind of like a bigger goal in mind or like kind of like a, this is kind of a different show. Um, Max, Max, do you, were you at the first Dallas show after the, after COVID hit? I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of lore about this. I feel like it's almost like a famous show. Uh, definitely not. Um, I want to say the my hymen breaking for the first card show that I traveled to was I want to say the January 2022 Dallas card show. And by travel, I mean plane flight. I, wa I want to say it was that January 2022 show. Or maybe it was a later 2021 Dallas show. But everything I, again, there I also can relate in that I've heard a lot of lore regarding that show. That that was the first big show to open up during COVID. Um, and that really was the gateway for, again, supposedly from what I hear, the gateway for a lot of new people to spawn relationships and also make a lot of money. That's where the Zion PSA 10 base prisms are being sold and wholesale at like $800 a pop, which is inconceivable to move at that high volume. Yeah, no, that's the, the Zion PSA 10 base boom is always going to be the, the marker of the COVID time, I feel like. Uh, but Carter, you said you work with someone, like a guy, Ryan, a partner did. So was he someone that you were around, like started with, with you in 2019? Because, and now that's before the boom, right? So it's like, how? what was the genesis of starting to break? Yeah, no, so Ryan and I met, I think the second ever card show I did after that Dallas show was actually a show here locally in Atlanta. It was like a hundred table show, which was decent size. I mean, this is still during COVID. Most people were still masked up and everything. Um, so I met Ryan there. He was another dealer. Um, but Ryan and I really didn't fully get connected until the 2021 National. We ended up being on the same flight. So we were talking at the gate here in, at the Atlanta airport. And then we just kind of ended up hanging out the whole show. We, we were not set up at the 2021 National. The first National that I ever got set up at was the 2022 National in Atlantic City. Um, but in 2021, that's when Ryan and I kind of kicked it off and we were just hanging out, hanging out at the national and we were like, dang, like we figured out we're traveling all these same shows. We're kind of similar. You know, we, we have similar interests. Like, why, why don't we go to these shows together and split hotel costs and stuff like that instead of us continue to pay for our own hotels. Right. And uh, it was it was amazing. So that's kind of when our partnership formed. Uh, Ryan's been a dealer in, in cards around the same time as me, probably a little bit earlier. Uh, but he's been specifically selling cards. He did not get into breaking or anything like that. Um, but he's been, but he's been a dealer almost as long as I have. Cool. So you guys, it's not like you guys are childhood friends or something and we're no, trading yeah. Pokemon growing up where you did, was cards ever something that you were doing when you were younger? Or is this oh, just yeah. like kind of like a late, late life discovery? No. Yeah. I've been collecting ever since I was like five. I mean, I'm a, I'm the ultimate sports nerd. I've been around sports my whole life. I've played every sport, uh, golf, basketball, baseball, soccer, everything. Um, so like, I remember when I was little, my brother, for some reason, really just loved to go to target. Um, so he's, he's a year younger than me. And so my mom would take us to target at least every week and give him $20 to spend. And, you know, obviously if you're going to give one sibling $20 to spend, you got to give the other. Right. So then she ended up giving me $20 when I started complaining and, uh, I saw sports cards on the shelf in the front and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I, I remember ripping my first pack and I just remember pulling players that, at the time, I really didn't even know who they were. I was I was young, but I was like, these are so cool. And uh, I never stopped. And then it ended up my brother got into Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! pretty quickly after he started realizing I was opening packs. He, my brother and I are very close, but we're also very opposite. 
Um, so like, it was kind of cool for us to share a collecting, uh, I guess, comparison in a sense where he was collecting Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! I was collecting football, basketball cards. Um, but I was ripping from a young age. I was collecting, I still have every single card I ripped. I don't think anything's of value. I've looked through it like four times, you know, the thousands of cards I have, all the blaster boxes and individual packs I've ripped. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of those older products. I'm still like, I like the newer products like Topps Chrome and, uh, Prism and stuff, but I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like action shots. So like one of my favorite modern sets or still today, it's, it's been a set for a long time, stadium club. I like kind of more like in-game pictures rather than more of a natural, like relaxed pose, as you can see in a lot of cards today. Yeah. I feel like even when Panini does do the action shots, at least in like basketball, cause that's something that I'm looking at, like they'll like take out the background or like, yeah. you know, do something to the shot where it makes it less, less cool. Mm -hmm. Max is famous for uh, Max. You want to talk about your first OG favorite sets for a sec for Carter to just to give the set the stage here because I want I need to get an idea. I need to know what years you're ripping Carter too. But Max, you got to go first. Yeah, so I won't say we're all around the same age. I had my Friday surprises when I was like six or seven years old, and I got you know 2006, 2007, 2008. I have those flagship designs very much with a strong connotation to nostalgia and childhood. But like you were saying, I did not know any of the players. I didn't know any of the big names. I didn't, I mean, I knew Yankees. I knew Derek Jeter, I knew Alex Rodriguez, I knew, you know, David Wright and Jose Reyes on the Mets at the time. But I feel I was just trying to get more Yankees. I was just trying to get more Mets. Um, I did end up going through that stash and my biggest hit was a, Troy Glaus Black Refractor out of, I think, 572 or something like that from 2008 Topps Chrome. I'm firing on all cylinders right no, now trying to pull that out. Wrong, no, um, so wrong. So 2005? What do you mean so wrong? It's 06, I want to say, is out of like 539. Sorry, I... I can't let you say there's black refractors in 08 Tops Chrome Max. Oh, okay. Then no, no, please correct me. Please, please don't tell me. No, it wasn't numbered refractor Troy Glaus. Um, but my formative years with collecting were definitely when I was 14, 15, which is obviously very much older to get into. But that's when I'm like, oh, this stuff is cooler. Oh, I can't afford memorabilia. I'm gonna mess around with this. And I guess to relate with the takeaways as like adulthood, I had a flagship Topps Chrome Mookie Betts and a flagship Topps Chrome Jacob deGrom that I pulled when I was like 14. And in 2019, 2020, I graded them and I sold them in the boom for like $500 on the bets and like $250 on the deGrom. And I'm like, wow, this is insane. This is more money than I'm worth just from these cards that I got when I was 14. Granted, I felt definitely very dirty selling cards that I was ripping at my adolescent middle school age. And, but I was like, this is more money than I'm going to get in my entire, you know, teenager life, you know, from, you know, without having to work a summer job or anything like that. That's when it hit me that like, or rather that's when I realized that, Oh, these like 2014, 2015 cards have some value to it. Even though some people were just collecting base. Yeah, so Carter, uh, were you pre were you ripping these pre the tops exclusive contract, or is this like are we talking like early 2010s or like mid 2000s here for the target runs? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely ripping some upper deck products. I mean, before tops really fully took over, right? Um, so for me, I'm not super open about this, but th this does tie into my my collecting kind of background. So my dad's been a coach in the NFL ever since I was born in 1999. Um, so I was chasing players that my dad was coaching. Cause I remember going to the facility where he was coaching and meeting players. So like when I first started collecting was when we lived in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and he was coached for the Jaguars. He was the, uh, the office coordinator. And so I was trying to find Mark Brunell cards left and right. Cause that was his quarterback. And then, uh, we moved to Atlanta. And so we had Michael Vick the first year. So my dad was actually Michael Vick's quarterbacks coach when he got arrested with all that, uh, which is a very funny story. Uh, so I was collecting him at first and then I didn't want anything to do with him, as you can imagine, yeah. uh, with his cards. I think I still have a couple, but, and then like Joey Harrington was the next guy, uh, under Jim Mora before Matt Ryan was drafted, uh, which I believe Matt Ryan was drafted in 08. So then I was, uh, then I was chasing Matt Ryan cards left and right. So I got a pretty cool Matt Ryan collection, but it's, it's all pretty basic stuff. No autos. Like I wasn't into chasing autos, anything 
just because like I uh I got some like kind of more memorabilia pieces that I got signed by those guys that I keep. So like cards didn't really mean anything to me, a sticker auto or anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I just like kind of finding pictures with or cards with different pictures, kind of different action shots. Like that's what appealed to me, different sets, anything like that. Um, so yeah, it, it was kind of a mix, but I, you know, for me, like I probably ripped all the way up until 2013, 2014 ish. And then I kind of stopped until I got back in in 2019. Sweet. No, wow, that's sick. That must have been the worst day on the job in the history of your dad's life. The, the probably, yeah, who knows? Don't well, yeah, I mean, he, he's brought in. He's he's kind of recently hired at that point, right? And you know, they got a franchise quarterback and Michael Vick. Michael Vick's still pretty young, right? At that time, not you know, he's he's a vet, but um, you know, for him to deal with that and then kind of his world get turnover, you got to deal with the guy like you know Joey Harrington, who was kind of a more of a backup right in the NFL for a little while. And then you finally get the guy at Matt Ryan, but you had some two rough years there back to back after being hired. He went through three head coaches there, which is kind of crazy. It's it's that that's not normal for uh, assistant coaches, position coaches at that time. Yeah. To, to be able to survive three head coaches as an assistant, I feel like is super rare. My, I actually, my, one of my best friends from college is like the world's biggest Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Um, and my my sister went to a high school that's like adjacent to the high this like famous football high school De La Salle in California, mm -hmm. um, and Maurice Jones Drew went there. So I was a huge MJD fan, running back it, for the Jags. Uh, and 08 Tops was like the football set that I ripped the most of. So Matt, I I think I had like ten base Matt Ryan rookie cards yeah. when I went back through my my youth collection. Um, Max, you weren't ripping football ever, right? Back in the day, it was strictly baseball. You're you're just muted. You just muted no. yourself. Okay, cool. I'm uh, I'm unmuted now. Um, no, th there was. I have exactly one pack. I think of upper deck football I ripped when I was like six or seven, and it was I got it entirely because it was like a free pack ball cards I was buying, and they're in my baseball card binder, and it was something to do with the opening kickoff of like the NFL season. And I guess a false premise that I always believed in when I was younger was that tops opening day and anything that says like NFL kickoff on it is inherently more rare than your normal mass printed flagship, you know, brand, especially considering you have the opening day or kickoff insignia on the card demonstrating that it was a limited print run celebrated around opening day or NFL kickoff. So Outside of that NFL kickoff pack, no, I have not ripped anything, but it did make me feel like I was special. Yeah, that that is the OA tops kickoff was the equivalent to tops opening day for for baseball. I think they also did NBA tip off in like one of the early 22,000 years, not 2008, but there is like a NBA tip off set that's like the same thing as opening day and the NFL kickoff so random we'll see if we'll see if fanatics revives these absolutely dead brands <laughs> that no one cares about even today uh but i feel like you know we set the stage here carter you're you're you know you were ripping growing up a lot of football a lot around a lot of football uh so what what's the dream what was the idea with uh starting the shop with ryan before you met jeff was were you guys just going to set up like a normal card shop and then you jeff was parallel thinking or uh was it what was the what was the kind of the genesis of that relationship? Yeah, I mean Ryan and I, you know, obviously now this was over a year ago, so this was in so Ryan and I, so we set up at the 2022 National in Atlantic City. After that is when we made the decision we need to set up a shop. Um, our primary motivation for that is that we've been running a trade night here in Atlanta now for two and a half years at a at a local brewery. It's been a monthly trade night. It's been really successful. We've had a lot of events where we've had 150, 200 people show up on and these uh, these trade nights happen on Thursday nights, which so it's very, very successful. Um, so unfortunately, I don't run it anymore. I had to hand it off to the brewery since starting this project. But for us, we are very um, involved in the local Atlanta community. We may travel a lot and we may be on the road most weekends, but we're very involved. And there's a lot of card shops here in Atlanta. And, you know, I think one of the biggest opportunities I've had traveling is that I've been able to visit a lot of card shops in other cities and see how other cities collecting communities are. And we felt like Atlanta was a little bit behind. Um, we do think Atlanta is very strong. There's a lot more collectors, but there's a lot of complaints. There's a lot of complaints about the card shops. There's a lot of complaints about the local shows. Like 
I'm like Ryan and I are not the only people from Atlanta that travel pretty frequently to do shows or do trade nights or go to other card shops in other cities. Like there's a lot of people that travel out of here to, to kind of enhance their collecting experience. So we felt like, Hey, there's kind of a door opening here in Atlanta for a card shop. That's a little bit more appeasing, better priced can buy more, um, you know, hopefully can obtain, you know, maybe breaking, you know, accounts, stuff like that. Like that, that was kind of our goal. Our goal was just kind of be a little bit of improvement of what the card shops are here now. Now we didn't have a lot of money at the time to invest. Like we were probably only going to go into it with a quarter of a million dollars. And then we were just going to try to build up from there. I mean, obviously we also want an opportunity to buy more often. Um, obviously, you know, we all buy online, but that, that can be kind of time consuming, right? It's, it's better to buy in person. You can kind of negotiate quicker instead of, you know, right. Waiting for someone to respond. It's all face to face. Um, and a lot of card shops here don't buy that frequently. Um, and the ones that do are kind of far out of the city. I mean, everyone knows Atlanta has crazy traffic. So for, you know, some of the card shops that are pretty nice, they're in suburbs where a lot of the collectors, they would have to drive over an hour, hour and a half to get to at certain times of the day. Um, so, and at the end of it, there was no shops actually in Atlanta. So there's every shop right now, we, we have a perimeter um, interstate called 285 and it's just a very big circle. And there is not one card shop that's inside that perimeter currently. Um, there is one kind of hybrid shop that kind of does kind of TCG or WAC specifically, but talking about single cards and more of a traditional card shop, there's not one. So all these card shops are 20 minutes outside of that perimeter for the most part. So we wanted to be in Atlanta and we wanted to be kind of centrally located near where the local shows take place. And so we kind of, you know, expressed this to Jeff. So when um, Jeff was filming a video at the Nashville Card Show in October 2022, and he was doing this $50,000 spend challenge for the whatnot card show, which funny enough, we just did it again last week. Um, but he came up to our table and Ryan told him that we were going to open this card shop and he's come to our trade nights. So Jeff has known us for a while. He's brought his kids pretty frequently to our trade nights. He knows what we do in Atlanta. Um, I wouldn't say we were super close at the time and he didn't know what we were doing a lot, but he saw us everywhere. He would always say hi at every show he, he came to. He'd come up and talk to us for a couple minutes. And so for us, we told him, that we were opening this card shop and we were about, we told him this on Friday of the national card show. And we were supposed to sign our lease on Monday once we got back. And we told him that he was like, actually like, hold up. How about you come to my office instead? And, and let's, let's talk about something. So and we were like, what? He's like, just don't sign the lease yet. Just delay. It and let's talk first. And then he kind of left and we had, so we had no idea. He didn't tell us like, I'm trying to think about opening a shop. He didn't tell us anything. So the whole weekend at the national card show, Ryan and I are tossing our minds like, what the heck does he want to talk about? Like, why, like, why shouldn't we sign the lease? All this stuff. Like we were, we were kind of worried. We were like, man, like, are we going to lose this place that we like a lot? It's a great location. The rent was in our budget, which there's, there's, there wasn't a lot in our budget, to be honest, for the amount of square footage we really wanted. Um, you know, we, we, we realized kind of quickly retail spots can get quite expensive nowadays, especially. Um, so we kind of talked to him and we, you know, I, we kind of talked through a lot of what I just kind of described of what we envisioned. And his ideas kind of aligned. And he was like, listen, like my team right now, a lot of our content that we do with collectors outside of studio is at card shows. So we're traveling and my team is, you know, they're working during the week. And then I have to have them asked to work on the weekends and travel with me to go to these card shows to film content. Like, I think there's a big opportunity for our company that sports card investor to do a lot of content in shop where there's kind of unlimited scenarios that you can play out, right? We can do breaks, we can do giveaways, we can do stuff with crowds, like we can do more organized content in that sense, right? Like we can do a, like a pack battle tournament or something where there's 50 people kind of behind watching it and cheering it on or something, right? Like stuff that's like more exciting and more flexibility. And then that doesn't require his team to travel as often. So, you know, that, that was appeasing to us. Like the sports card investor team is interested in moving into the shop and moving their whole operation there. And so we're like, all right, I mean, this seems like something, you know, that we shouldn't pass up. Now, obviously, you know, Ryan and I doing our own card shop, we were going to be 50-50 partners. So we were going to have significantly more equity. With Jeff, um, you know, we're, we're much smaller partners, but, you know, we're, we own something. We still have significant ownership. We still made a significant investment, Ryan and I both, um, but we own something way bigger. So our smaller percentage is definitely, you know, in our minds is going to equal way higher than what we could have done 50-50 on our own. I mean, obviously, I think for us, you know, this 14,000 square foot store is great, but it's not the size. It's it's what our potential could be. 
Um, it's what we can do card wise. And Ryan and I are just really strong buying and selling cards. And for us, we've been, we've kind of pride ourselves on being transparent ever since the beginning. Like even when I started breaking, it wasn't a high margin thing. It was very small margin. I mean, my, my only opportunity to actually obtain wax was to buy at bulk just to get someone to come down on their price a little bit and then break it or sell it or personal breaks. I mean, a lot of boxes I only made like $10 on. I probably paid 200 for yeah. like very small margin. And we've kind of kept that mindset even with cards, but our mindset has been to be in and out so quickly. Like we don't like to keep cards under um, over 14 days, like ever. Like if, if we keep it, we just auction or we liquidate it somehow. Like if we're like willing to lose after 14 days, essentially or break even whatever it is. Um, like we are not focused like, oh, I bought this card for 200. I need to make sure I make 220. Like if the last comp's 230 and someone offers me 215, I'm probably taking it like instantly. Like there's no, I'm, I need to move it. And so we're kind of transitioning that mindset into the card shop a little bit in the sense where we don't want to keep cards. We're playing the volume game. We're not trying to stretch out margin. A lot of card shops you walk in today and they're like, oh yeah, we pay 50, 60% you know, and then they price them still pretty high, you know, where they double their margin and then they're not, you know, they're barely even willing to go to a hundred percent of comps. Like, no, like we want our cards moved. We're, we're going to be paying 70 to 80% depending on the value. That's what Ryan and I do now at shows and what we've been doing. We're going to continue that. Um, you know, we kind of pride ourselves on overall fairness and Jeff saw that and Jeff's known that just from knowing us from our trade nights and seeing us at shows and it was just overall a good fit. And we were all aligned on the idea of kind of building this kind of Mecca card shop in Atlanta um, because th there's a lot of good, really Mecca card shops in other major cities, but Atlanta is kind of lacking a little bit. Yeah, no, that, I mean, there's, there's a million things I want to ask you questions about on that whole story, but I, I really love the trade night jet, like decent, like the beginning part of it, because, mm -hmm. you know, me and Max have talked a lot about, you know, shows and the different, you know, good shows, bad shows. And, I always am talking Max's ear off about like how big cities need to have more trade nights and like right. places where you can bring friends or people to get them into the hobby. Cause you know, card shows are pretty intimidating if you have no experience in the card world and trade nights are a better vibe. I right. think in general to like introduce people to the, to the show so, or to the card game. So I'm not surprised that Jeff Wilson was intrigued by you being able to put on a monthly card show or card trade night. That's, that's definitely impressive. And, um, that's a wild story, Max. Uh, Max, what are your thoughts on Cards HQ from what you know, and uh, just what are you excited about? What it, What is your idea of like what this shop is going to be like, different from your experience with shops? Yeah, um, I remember hearing the announcement that originally that sports card investor was starting a card shop, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. I'm definitely intrigued how this goes. And then I saw Carter was going to be one of the brains behind it, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be very good. Um, I definitely understand the volume game of just making sure everything goes in and out, making the 10% and then moving on. I'm really intrigued on how that works with in-person buying, especially when you have like tourists or people that might not be hobbyists entering the shop. I'm intrigued by the means of liquidation of if things are ran at whatnot live auction. I mean, you just said you had the whatnot card show, how to ensure that that gets that 90% or at the very least, just more than what you paid for it sliver that you can get. And I think the, I mean, at the very least, yeah, I like the analogy that you said of Mecca, you know, card shop Mecca of Atlanta. Cause I mean, when I think of the biggest card shops, I think of the country, the first two that come to mind are Burbank card shop in uh, California, which has been in the game since the eighties, nineties, something like that. And I mean, their entire model pretty much hinged on that. They were still doing cards when everyone else wasn't. And that junk mm -hmm. wax killed everyone. Rob and their team were going harder than ever. And that really shows the scale that they have now. And again, I have my New York inherent New York bias to me. But I think of Bleaker Trading, which isn't even a card shop. It's a you know card hobbyist social club, per se. And sure, they have cards and coffee directly next door. But it really awakens that most of the success in terms of getting your name in the space is just the marketing. And if you have the marketing that couples with a very strong card shop with a very strong foundation, that's your mission to success. And there's no other, I mean, you're going to win, you're going to succeed. So having, I think, I mean, again, this is just as a third party, 
I'm excited for you guys having Jeff behind you and getting ready to launch in January. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys are launching right around the weekend of Culture Collision, right? Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, it's it's all going to be construction dependent. We're supposed to know hopefully by January 1st if that timeline's still on point. Um, it's been flying. We're actually we're going out to the unit uh, tomorrow, so we're we're excited. We 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 kind of um, right now we probably only go out there maybe once every three weeks to meet with the contractor. Other than that, we're meeting virtually. Um, we're we're not trying to get in the way. We're trying to let them keep moving, right? So, um, but we yeah we got an on-site meeting tomorrow, which we're excited about. But I can think like for the volume game for us. You know, obviously, I hope we make more than 10 percent. I mean, we're if we're paying 70 percent, then realistically, hopefully we can make 20 to 30 percent. And I think a lot of stuff we will. It's on the stuff that we that that's sitting that hopefully we can either break even or make that 10 percent. Right. I mean, we're going to have a lot of overhead where Ryan and I we haven't dealt with a lot of overhead being a dealer. Right. Our overhead's been travel, which is not significant, you know, in comparison to what we're doing. I mean, we're going to have a very high payroll. We're going to hire 25 to 30 people like this is going to be a big team like that's just starting. And that's like starting with the mindset of just having one or two live streams going at a, at a time. We built out six breaker studios. So we built ourselves for growth. Ideally, I'd like to use all six at every time. So once we get to that point, I can see our staff being between 50 to 100 people. Like, so this is this is an operation that is going to start actually pretty big for our industry. And we're going to try to make it even bigger over time, you know, and, and you know, I, I don't know how long it's going to be till we can get to six streams going at once. Maybe it's a year, maybe it's five years. I don't know yet. Um, we're, I think we're for us, we're doing something that's so different and it's so it's just it's the first of its kind. Right. So we're going to learn a lot within our first 60 to 90 days. And so we're trying to set up ourselves to be flexible and adapt. Um, so I think we're going to learn a lot. and We're going to make some decisions from there and then we'll set more timelines of when we can see that growth potentially happening. I mean, yeah, for us, we're trying to also we're, we're really excited. And we take pride in like I think we're providing jobs and careers for people in the industry. Like, I don't think there's a lot of opportunities, especially in card shops. I mean, most card shops today, they're ran by their, you know, the owners. Um, the bigger shops have some staff. They're, you know, they're probably paying anywhere between 15 to 20 an hour, right? I mean, some of our jobs are in the 20, 20, 20 to $25 range an hour. Some are salaried. Um, I mean, we we just made a pretty critical hire and a general manager of a TCG because we want a big TCG presence. I mean, we have 14,000 square feet. We're going to take advantage of it. We're not just going to do sports cards. I mean, this is supposed to be a collecting hub. Yeah. But for us, I think, you know, Burbank's great. I love Rob and I love what they do over there. And their focus on cards, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're going to be doing the same thing. So like for us, you know, we hope to have one of the shops with one of the most cards under one roof in the world. I mean, that's simple as that. Like we're going to compete with Burbank in that aspect. I know Burbank has that insane warehouse that we're not going to have. Right. But for the store aspect, you know, we're going to have 45 showcases specific to cards. And so these showcases that we kind of described in our announcement video, they're actually vertical. So they're five feet tall. Most showcases that you go into card shops, they're these counter showcases. So the cards are flat. So you're looking down, right? So we, we've, we've customized, and this was my job over the summer. Um, we customize these showcases. They're, so they're four feet, I believe. Yeah, they're four feet wide and five feet tall. And the cards are literally like this. So you can just see them directly. Um, so way easier to see. But with the 45 showcases, We've been able to do that front and back. So there's really 90 different displays. And on each side, we can fit just over 100 cards. So you're talking about well over 10,000 cards that we have to fill, right, or for slots. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a pretty insane number. But, you know, for us, we, we, we want as many cards in there. Like Ryan and I, we're card people. Jeff, he's card people. Like we're going to have a big wax selection as well. We got 20 showcases for wax. We got slat walls for wax. There's definitely going to be no shortage of wax as well but i think you know you touched on bleaker right and you you walk into bleaker and it's it's kind of an experience right even coffee breakers and so we're kind of doing a mix of both in the sense of oh yeah we're trying to have an absurd amount of cards and appease every collector possible hopefully we have something for every person that comes in card wise we don't have a limited amount of cards where oh i'm looking for a weird oddball player a weird oddball set like we probably have it because we need it because or else we can't fill our showcases right yeah. But we're also trying to emulate that experience aspect. I think for us, like we want to fit more in the category of retail wise or store wise in the sense of like maybe like an axe throwing or escape room. Right. I mean, even Top Golf may even be in that kind of conversation or category somewhat. Right. Where like we want people to come in, linger, bring your cards, trade with other collectors. You know, you don't have to leave. You don't have to just buy what you need and get out like that. Th this space is set up for you to stay like we have. We're going to have a lot of space for couches. 
We're going to have this whole break arena where you can rip and record your rips and people can watch it on the TV behind you. Like there, there's so much to do in the store. Like you can watch Jeff and his team film content. Their studio is in the back of the store and it's fully glassed in. So you can actually watch them film their shows when they're doing it. It's, it's going to be pretty cool. So the backdrop on all the videos is going to be the shop. It's going to be the people in the shop. Um, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be different. But I think the experience aspect is our primary focus. We're trying to enhance the, the overall collector's experience. Um, and we think if, if people can kind of go into a shop and they feel like it's enhancing their sports fandom experience, they're going to want to collect more. Right. I think right now there's a lot of shops out there in, in local communities where it's very transactional and it's not the card shop's fault. Like card shops are traditionally smaller. You know, there's there's you know. If, if I if we had the 1500 square foot store right now, I would fill that with as much product as humanly possible. I wouldn't have room for a couch because I want to make money. Right. Yeah. And so, like, it's not the current card shop's fault. Um, but the flexibility we have with this 14000 square foot is that we can have 2000 plus square feet of just hangout space where people can linger and have fun and, you know, really kind of make it more of an experience where they can come hang out and watch sports in. Yeah, no, I Max is the coastal elite elite Max only only mentioned card shops on the east and west coast. But, you know, I when I was working for Ludex, I had the opportunity to travel around, go to a bunch of sh shops and shows around um, like there's a bunch in the Midwest. Like, you know, you got Indie Card Exchange and mm -hmm. uh, what's the other baseball card exchange and stuff and in, in Indiana. And then you got, you know, Kentucky. What is it called? The Kentucky Roadshow, Roadshow and the Roadshow guys. You know, I got to talk with the California Roadshow guys and see their place when it was under construction and talk to them about their deal where they, you know, they're they're on salary, too. And, you know, they're they're opening a shop that is their own, but it's not totally, you know, 100 percent their own. They don't have to take on all the all the risks that's involved with that. Um, but, Carter, I'll give you kind of what what I from based on what you're saying, like what I'm envisioning this place to be like. And then you can correct me where I'm wrong. But, you know, if you're you know, you got the Burbank aspect of, you know, you got all the cards, you got you know, the, the infinite inventory situation, because you, you know, the, the liquidation center is also, I think something that, you know, the, the Burbank guy, I was always talking about me and Max have talked about that at ship, you know, that how they have that kind of table at the Burbank show where you can go there and sell your cards, you know, you might not get exactly what you want for them, but you can get money for them. Um, and, you know, whenever I go into my local card shop here in Chicago, you know, the guy's phone's literally ringing off the hook with people trying to sell him cards and it's, he literally doesn't have the time. Like you can't hire enough people. You know, he has two shops in Chicago, but it's not like he's buying and selling like this. It's like mainly he's just like, let's get enough wax in where I can flip that to cover my, you know, the rent costs and any singles is like just gravy. So, you know, you have that side of the thing, but then something that I've noticed with, you know, card content creators is that the traveling does really add up like if you're going to a show and you're just filming content you're probably losing big on that show because you're not you don't have enough time to you really need to be making money when you're at these shows and if you're taking time out of buying and selling to make content you're kind of losing money there um so i'm not surprised that jeff is now like all right i can make all this content at a card shop if i own that card shop and can design it i can make the best content possible that's just an inf infinite content creating spot um so i i definitely see the vision there of like hey i have this shop i don't have to travel everywhere we can just like kind of design we can throw events at the space make great videos from that i feel like that's kind of what ryan card collector 2 does a lot with these like trade nights he does it's like he makes a lot of content at the shop he does these these kind of on the road i'm sure you guys will still go on the road like is that still part of the plan to go travel around i mean you gotta I feel like that's got to be part of it right yeah, I mean, for Ryan and I, we're still going to be going to shows because we need inventory. So uh, for Jeff, probably not as much, but I, I, I think he likes going to shows. Obviously, you know, when, when he goes to shows, there's a lot of fans that don't get to see him, right? If, you're, if, if he's going out to Burbank, right, he meets a lot of people that would probably never get to meet him, right? Because um, only a small percentage of those people are ever going to make it to Atlanta to our card shop. So, you know, shows are still a part of our plan. I think just overall content-wise, as you said, the shop just gives us infinite amount of opportunity there to kind of be diverse and be different i think i think card collector 2 has done that great i mean that's another card shop that's really emulated a an experience and a lot of cards aspect as well you know and 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 columbus is still a big town but it's not as big as atlanta it's not as big as la right so like what he's been able to do there is quite amazing and quite incredible right i mean he he bought that card shop and then he moved it to the second building and he's been able to you know really make a 
kind of one of the biggest card shops, most known card shops in the country, right out of, you know, Ohio. So, uh, but I think card shows are, are important for us as a brand and still important for sports card investor and market movers. But I think just the infinite ability of the card shops is what is the primary focus. And that's what the company will shift towards. No. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And just, just money economically speaking, like mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. You can invest more in the space and like, you know, have those cameras everywhere. I love the idea of being able to like record a rip at a card shop. Cause I feel like all the pictures of cards that I see pulled from card shops are always like the worst photos ever, like yeah. terrible lighting, you know, like, oh, it's yeah. like, Oh, I pulled this, the like, super fractor or whatever and it looks like it's photographed in someone's basement like having a little spot right i i forget which podcast i was listening to i think maybe it was like the wax museum podcast or something the guy was like i feel like someone should set up at shows that's just a photo light booth to take pictures of cards and charge people like a couple bucks to take a picture mm -hmm. i feel like you would actually make a decent amount of money doing something like that so if you could build in that like the ex the shareability of the experience as well into right. everything, I feel like is definitely something that Burbank misses. It's like they have this like fishbowl room of singles. I feel like that could just be like content room, like <laughs> cameras yeah. all over like, oh, I just found like a $10 card or something could be, yeah. that could literally be full content all the time if you wanted. Well, to. I think like one of our, one of our biggest advantages that I guess people don't realize as much is that sports card investor is a full blown professional media company. Like, I mean, he's got professional videographers, professional video editors, professional graphic designers. I mean, this is a big team of around 15 to 30 people. There's a good amount of them are full time here at the Atlanta office and then some are remote. But we've been able to obviously leverage that and for Cards HQ. I mean, so Charles and Kelly, um, two staff members on Sports Card Investor, they've been working tirelessly to develop our cameras and lighting systems. So like, our goal is to have like the highest quality production streams possible. And we kind of debuted it last week on the whatnot card show. The quality is insane. I mean, we're investing heavily into all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm saying like, we're probably investing 10 to 20 X more than somebody else would, even if they were trying to do more than just like their phone setup. Um, the setup in the break arena where people can record to rip, like that's going to be cameras that are permanently placed there. And they're going to be on all hours of the day while we're open. Um, it's also going to be, I think it's going to be streaming on YouTube. So people can actually tune in at any time. So if we're busy grand opening weekend, you know, tune into YouTube, you can see what I'm sure there's gonna be people ripping some big products that weekend. Um, but like people are gonna be able to go back and clip it because there, there's gonna be a timer attached to that where they know, oh, I can go back to that stream. And I know I ripped it around the two hour mark of when that stream, you know, happens. So they can go back and do that themselves. They can post it. We can post it. Um, the lighting is going to be there. The bleachers are there where people can watch. There's going to be like these TVs like right above them. So if I'm facing this way, there's TVs right here um that will show like what's on the camera while you're ripping it so i think for us like we're, we're really excited about the production quality that we're executing um it's taken a lot of work and there's still more work to be done like we haven't really we haven't gotten to the point yet where we're working on our live selling aspect um you know we're doing this live selling walking around this, this the store itself and selling parts out of showcases but for the breaker studios and the breaker arena it's unreal what what our team's been able to do and it's it's i'm very thankful for it because I have no idea. Like we were at the unit two weeks ago and we were talking to the electrician because we need all this like stuff, right? We need like, you know, outlets here, data points here, ethernet, right? And they're just talking through it. They're like, oh, what cords? Like, you know, because you got to fit them through these like pipes. Yeah. And I had no idea. I don't know anything about it. It's great to have people on our team that do because we're, we're doing something that's really different and really high tech and it's it's been fun. No, I, I can't wait to see it. Max, is there anything else you want to add on or ask before we go into what we bought recently? Yeah, yeah, I love the camera ripping experience. I love what you explained. I don't need, I need to touch on that further. Um, I think what you were saying about making sure that you are the card conglomerate, making sure that you're not just covering, you know, sports cards, that you're covering all cards. And it makes me think that like, everyone starts at a small niche and then the more you just immerse in that niche, the more that allows you to expand that niche. So just going from, you know, baseball cards to sports cards, to all cards, to, I don't know, all collectibles to memorabilia to, and then it's the world is yours with how far you can expand it. And that, that focal point is what determines of course, the specificity and the amount of people you can get with that reach. So the fact that you're doing all cards already from the get-go, even though from my understanding, you aren't the biggest Pokemon TCG guy, but the mission of the store is to encompass that. 
I think that's a pretty bold and good mission. And also, I again, I'm sure you know this as someone who ran trade nights yourself and even touching on what Bleaker was. I mean, I, I'd i be easily you know, taking the train for an hour then walking another 45 minutes. Just to, again, granted, I might be a little crazy, but this was just to attend a trade night just for the social aspect of talking to other collectors, just to maybe make some little, maybe make a, maybe make my train ticket back at that train night and have some free pizza or whatever. And it's something that I could, you know, my friends that are on the, you know, that are card adjacent that see what they see, what I do and want to jump in. I'm able to, you know, have them come over, you know, have them come to bleaker with me, enjoy a beer, you know, buy compulsively buy wax that's on their adjacent cards and coffee card shop. And I think the biggest aspect of trade nights is that it doesn't necessarily pressure someone to have to buy and spend money when they're at a card shop. And that might sound counterintuitive since, okay, we're supposed to support small local businesses. We're supposed to make sure that these places prosper. But at the same time, it's like, I love cards. I don't remember the last day that I've been awake and I did not think of a card, but I don't think any human being can afford to rip blaster boxes or hobby boxes in good financial faith every single day of their life. And tying that into Cards HQ, I think having the couches, having the live camera blaster rips or hobby box rips, having all these different dimensions that you can partake and experience in the shop without having to transact a card. Granted, I'm sure there will be many card transactions that will happen just by nature of being there. But without feeling the pressure of needing to spend a bunch of money just being able to enjoy cards i think that's paramount to success and that sounds like it's something you're focusing on yeah for sure for sure yeah well i mean kind of what you tied in there is our you know our whole name cards hq cards headquarters right the the initial name i came up with over the summer was sports cards hq and at this time we were oh, we were close to signing a lease on like a six thousand square foot unit um and the we were like three months into negotiating we were very close and the landlord pulled out so this 14,000 square foot thing wasn't supposed to really take fruition until almost, I guess, late June, almost early July. Um, and so that's when we decided like, hey, we need to have more of a TCG presence. We're going to have this space. It's, you know, one, it's profitable. Two, there's way more people involved in Pokemon and stuff like that right now worldwide than sports cards, no doubt. And so we knew then that we have to make a critical hire. And that's why we hired um, Mike, who's our, our general manager TCG. He'll be running that whole division I know some about Pokemon. I need to learn more and we're learning more every day, but you know, the cards HQ aspect, like we're trying to be the headquarters of cards, right? I mean, we're trying to have all types of different collectible cards there. One piece, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, Lorcana, Pokemon, sports cards, all that. Right. And then also the aspect of having two companies under one roof, sports card investor and cards HQ. It, it's really going to be a headquarters for our industry shop wise. We think. Yeah. No, that'll, that's going to be, I mean, you got to have the TCG, I think, in order to like really scale everything. Yeah. And, uh, with the space too, I'm sure you guys will host tournaments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that sort of in-person thing with oh, TCG yeah. is a lot more, I think a little bit more powerful even than the sports cards in-person events. Um, but, you know, Carter, I think we could talk literally for hours about this. So I think mm -hmm. I think what we should do is have like a little six-month, 12-month check-in with you. Have another episode, talk Let's about the it. experience once it, once it kicks off. Um, but what me and Max do every week uh, is we talk about what we bought in the last seven days, uh, whether that be on eBay. We, we call it eBay buys of the week, but, you know, that can be can can expand to other other platforms as well. Um, I'm going to I'm going to let Max go first, but I'm going to I was going crazy on ComC Black Friday deals. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, but well, I'll let Max go first. Um, Carter. Depending on if you're ready, you can go next, or I can go after Max too. But we'll let Max. I got a bunch of cards right here, so perfect, I, I, I mean, I bought a lot. So let's hear what Max has to say. A small buying week. I'm in this computer hiatus, which has made my buying a little bit more handicapped than usual. But I have three cards on my desk that I'm pumped for. I have a 2018 Shohei Otani Top Chrome Sapphire PSA 10. I've been very proactive in buying Shohei Otani. Tommy is shaking his head. I think he's, again, not a sports analysis podcast, but I believe in the talent so much. I think his prices fell off a full 50% since July, September, or, you know, excuse me, July, August. And this is such a pretty card. I'm going to move my lamps so that I can get a better picture of this, but 
This is pretty. <laughs> um, two other cards I have on my desk. First one is, or I guess the next one rather, is a Marcelo Mayer True Gold Bowman autograph, PGS 9 out of 50. This is the time to be buying Bowman Chromes. I don't like to be speculative. I don't like the aspect of investing, no pun intended. But um, this is the time to buy baseball. True, I am fawning myself over True Gold Bowmans. I think they're cool without getting into the upper echelon of the orange and the reds and waves and shimmers are bad. Um, the last one I think I discussed last episode, but it's now in hand. Cherry Blossom, Julio Rodriguez from Tops Japan out of 99, Beckett 95, True Gem Plus. Don't know if the plan is to crack it or to cross over it or to just keep it as is, but this is a dank card with a high dank to dollar ratio. I like I like that you think that your camera can actually pick up these cards, Max. It's really uh really optimistic of you. I appreciate the optimism. Do you have any uh any flips that you want to mention before I give the mic over to Carter to talk about what he bought? But I had a very fun negotiation over a EGS95 Shet Holmgrim Luck of the Lottery Prism out of 10 that I sold over eBay. I bought it raw for about five to six hundred bucks. I created it. PSA nine graded again, Beckett nine five. And I had this sticker at eBay for a lot up for uh, 1,150. And the person's like, Oh, what's the best you can do? And I'm like, Oh brother. And I'm like, make me an offer. And he's like, I was thinking 600. And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, what about 800? And I'm like, okay, this guy's going to climb. And he's like, okay, a thousand. And I'm like, I can't. And I'm like, I got to be at 11 with eBay fees. I have to be at 1150 firm. And he's like, okay, fine. 1100. And I'm like, if you don't buy this by the end of the day, I price this during preseason. I'm raising the price up to 1250. And then, uh, he, uh, he, we finished the deal. He bought it my full sticker. Um, the cards is serial numbered 04 out of 10, which the buyer told me, um, was his birthday. Not joking. No satire. That that's factored into his purchasing decision and he bought the item and I am going to be shipping another high-end Shet Holmgren to China. I don't know why all my Shet Holmgren buyers are in Asia, but it definitely is eye-opening for the high-end basketball market that most, at least anecdotally, most of my non-card show high-end basketball sales are overseas. That's interesting. Uh I'm glad glad the guy started at 600 and ended up buying at the full sticker. That's pretty classic for you on eBay, I feel like. Carter, what what do you got for us? Well, first, it sounds like I need to buy some more Chet Holmgren's before they're all over there. So, I mean, I think people are going to come in the shop and want him with how well he's been playing. Didn't he score like 30 last night or something? Or He, he did really well. He's unreal. He's unreal. Yeah, I know. Him and uh, Shagulis Alexander. One night he's dropping 30. The other night he's dropping five blocks in one half. I, I, again, I'm not a sports analysis, but yeah, people, I, I, he's a very fun basketball player with swagger. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like I need to buy more of them. I sold two of them in our whatnot card show last week. And now I kind of regret doing that because apparently they're all being shipped overseas. So, but yeah, so I, I bought some cool stuff recently. I mean, I bought a lot. I bought probably in the last week, not so much with Thanksgiving or anything, but uh, in the past two, three weeks, we bought well over 3,000 cards, uh, not even including like value box cards. So these are all cards that are like $20 plus. So it's been a lot of work, but my first first one I got is a little, let's see if I can get it, but a little Caitlin Clark, Bowman Chrome Orange Auto out of 25. She's up based on a lot of the, the apps out there. I mean, she's killing it. I mean, I think she's going to be drafted this year. She's going to come out, I think, if that's right. Um either this year or next year, but she's been killing it already. I think she got in like a little fight last night in the game or something. So I, I saw that all over Instagram this morning. Another little cool one, which is cheap. And we're probably paying more for, you know, the current Colts quarterback, but a Payne Manning auto PSA nine. I mean, one of the goats, right. But it was like this, that card is probably only like 150 bucks, like something ridiculously cheap. I mean, we're going to pay way more for that for Anthony Richardson, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, seriously. Right. So, and then I had to pull out a baseball card for Max. So I, I don't know how he feels about this player, but uh, a Jordan Alvarez gold wave rookie auto, you know, PSA nine out of 50. Nice. So that's pretty cheap too, I think, for how good he is. I mean, that was like under, like, I don't remember exactly, but that was under like 
350 under 400 dollars, something pretty cheap so max max has definitely bought in a lot of yordans in his day that's for yeah. sure all right. I mean, but as I, as I told you guys before, you know, like, you know, I got 20 stacks of this like bricks all around my computer right now. I got a log today. So we've been buying a lot, but those are just three of the cool ones that I've, I feel like I found pretty quickly out of these stacks. But I, my favorite is the Caitlin Clark auto. I don't think one, there's not a lot of that Bowman Chrome Bowman U stuff out there. And for it to be orange is pretty cool out of 25. No. Yeah. Caitlin Clark, I feel like has definitely reached the stage of like anything that she does on the court that's cool is instantly on social media and like everyone yeah. knows her name like even my sisters who don't watch any sports know who she is and um, i think i'm sure you'll get a ton of people coming into the shop asking for her card so that's mm -hmm. a cool one uh i went a little crazy this week because com c does their little black friday deal where they i think you spend a hundred dollars and you get five dollars in credit or something and then you can also get some free shipping money um so not that I need an excuse to spend spend a bunch of money on cards, but that was my excuse this week. Um, I bought a 2020 Upper Deck Presidential Weekly Packs World of Politics Bernie Sanders for $6.45. Uh, this is Bernie Sanders' only, other than that Tops Now card of him at the uh, inauguration, is his only not, I don't count Leaf, only card that's ever been made. Um, it's also Upper Deck weekly packs which was like an e their upper deck e-pack exclusive apparently the print run on this is only 50 according to some dude that i saw online uh shout out everyone who does print run math for everybody else um i also i i guess i bought a lot of political cards i bought a 2009 upper deck update fat pack exclusive barack obama short print with albert pools on the mound um, i don't know if you guys have ever seen this card but it's basically Obama and Pujols is, I guess, like some sort of short print from 09 Upper Deck. Uh, that was $24.99 on, on ComC. Um, I bought a Draymond guarding LeBron 2016 Panini International one-on-one -on -one insert. Um, obviously, it's kind of a meme that Draymond loves LeBron and kind of sucks him off. So I thought this was kind of a funny card because it's like both of them. I think it's their only card together other than some relics that are a little expensive. So I got that for $9.85 on ComC. Um, what were some other stuff I bought? I bought a, I've cleaned up Clay Thompson blue selects. Uh, those are out of $2.49. I got the 2015 one for $9.24. Um, these like, I think the pre-retail select is always going to be a cool thing to collect for me. Um, so Clay Thompson, obviously I'm trying to buy team color match blues. Um, I also got the Kevin Durant 2017 Select Blue Prism out of $2.99 for $7.25. Let me see. I got one more random one for everybody. Uh, oh, this was a good one. Uh, former guest Mitch will like this one. It's a 97 Topps Chrome Refractor of Jason Kendall. Uh, that's a gold cup. Jason Kendall, legend of MLB for just being a great player, but also not hitting any home runs. So obviously his card prices are not super high, but... The 97 refractor cost me $7.25. Uh, I really, I bought some other stuff on Comp C, but I don't think anyone needs to hear me list off a bunch of black flagship cards again for the 40th time. So, you know, if you're, if you're interested, Comp C has been getting a lot of hate for the fact that they have this verification system that is just brutal right now. If you try to log in, you have to like send an email to yourself every single time with the code. But, you know, there's good cards to be bought everywhere. I'm sure Cards HQ will be selling cards everywhere. Maybe not ComC because that's a little slower and not really the the game for you guys. But um, I'm sure you guys will be selling all at all all places. So excited to see how that goes. Carter, when are you guys going to be opening officially? I know it's contingent on some construction, but what's the plan? Yeah, the goal is January 26th. So that's the Friday of Culture Collision. And we plan on hosting one of the trade nights, I think, on that Saturday night. Um, so hopefully at a minimum, we can do that. As I said, I think we'll know hopefully before January 1st if that's going to be reasonable or not. But um, if if not, then I'm sure we're going to open within a week or two of that that date. Sweet. Well, thanks for taking an hour out of your Sunday to talk to me and Max. You know, I appreciate it. And uh, certainly going to be watching closely as you guys, you know, get launched and all the content that comes out of there. And uh, yeah, can't wait to have you on again to kind of give an update on how it's been going once it's once it's out there. Max, do you have any uh, any last thoughts or questions for Carter? I just loved learning of all about this card shop. 
and I can't wait to book my flight to Atlanta in January. Let's get it. I'm happy to have you. So I'm excited to be on again sometime. You know, we, I can give you guys an update on everything going on here in a couple months. Sweet. Sounds good. Thanks, Carter. Uh, yeah, no, make sure to follow Carter at Car- Cards HQ Carter, right? Or yep. the, the reverse, Cards HQ Carter um, on Instagram. Uh, you can obviously follow us everywhere. You guys know who we are. But uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week for episode 73. Um, thanks for Thanks for listening.